I think that everybody has probably heard a bump in the night at some point. Maybe some footsteps that seemingly belong to nobody. A light that's been turned off after you swear you left it on. As humans, our minds race as our brains try and imagine what predator could be the culprit of these things. Could it be a ghost? These so-called supernatural occurrences could be chalked up to a lot of things. Maybe it was the wind. Maybe you have a critter in your attic. But what if there was a real-life ghost behind these occurrences? In this episode of Unnatural Acts, I'm going to take a look at the poltergeist of Mena, Arkansas, and what really happened on Ransom Road. Coming up on Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. Brought to you by Mike's Auto and Diesel. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. A maniac. A raving thing. The cruel eyes studying you. There is a fifth dimension. Beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow. Between science and superstition. And it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. We all go a little mad sometimes. This is Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. So, as you probably know by now, the parent network for Unnatural Acts in the Natural State, the Washita Podcast, is based out of Mena, Arkansas. I figured, what better way to finish off the show than with an episode from our hometown? Situated in Polk County in southwest Arkansas, Mena is at the base of the Talamina Scenic Byway through the Washita Mountains, which are the best mountains, if you didn't know. Mena is now a beautiful tourist destination where people come far and wide to see the beautiful viewpoints on the byway. But back in the early 60s, it was little more than a quiet little railroad boomtown. I mean, it was quiet, until the Shins started noticing somewhat odd occurrences on their farm. Let me explain. Ed Shin, a 72-year-old farmer, lived on his farm on Ransom Road in Mina with his wife, Bridie, and his grandson, Charles Elbert Schaefer, who was around 15 years old at the time. Everything was nice and normal when Charles and Bertie were snuggled up in bed one evening. But then, they were woken up by the sound of their windows rattling. Perplexed, Ed got up to investigate and found no apparent culprit. Must have been the wind, right? Ed goes back to bed, dismissing the issue. Then there was another occurrence, and then another, and then another, and they escalated to being far more than just the windows rattling. Sometimes there would be knocking on the walls, with the couple describing the sounds as, quote, knocking on the wall like someone coming in. Other times, the noises would be a lot louder and stranger, sometimes sounding like somebody was running a handsaw in the attic above their bed. The occurrences were happening steadily more often, and one night, the noises were so loud that they kept the couple awake. So, in her frustration, Bridie did the nice southern thing to do and just politely asked the entity to be quiet and go to sleep. Surprisingly, the noises answered back, saying, I don't sleep. Now, obviously, this freaked out poor Bridie. I mean, I definitely would have been, but she replies again, saying, Will you let me sleep? The voice replied yet again and said, You don't need sleep either. Okay, so let me break this down for you. A couple of old folks start hearing noises and strange occurrences in their home. One of them asked what was presumably a ghost to stop making a racket so they could sleep, and the ghost told them to kick rocks. So obviously they were scared, but they didn't want to sound crazy to the people of Mina, which is understandable. So they keep these stories of the strange noises and voice under wraps while the occurrences just got more and more intense. 
it started getting to the point where objects were now being affected by the entity. One day, Ed finds his grandson Charles' marbles scattered across the floor. So, Ed picks them up for him and puts them in their container, only to find them back on the floor moments later. Sometimes, the occurrences were as simple as a light bulb being unscrewed. Other times, furniture was being thrown across the room. One time, the Shins reported, a pack of matches fell off the fireplace and ignited. You may be wondering where their grandson, Charles, was in all this chaos. Well, he wasn't exempt from the ghost either. One night, while he was sleeping in bed, the ghost had reportedly pulled the covers off of him. Then, the spirit seemed to become more and more aggressive, and even dangerous. One day, two figurines flew off the shelf into the back of Ed's head. Bridie had even reported being hit in the face with one of the marbles. What the Shins are describing is what's called a poltergeist. Poltergeist is a German word, meaning loud ghost or noisy spirit. What sets this kind of ghost apart from others is that it is commonly associated with being responsible for physical disturbances, such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed. Most claims or fictional descriptions of poltergeists show them as capable of pinching, biting, hitting, and tripping people. They are also descriptive as capable of moving or levitation of objects, such as furniture and cutlery, or noises such as knocking on doors. This description pretty closely matches the occurrences the Shins are dealing with here, and it was quickly becoming worse and worse. Despite the growing danger and distress the ghost was causing the family, they still didn't open up about it to anyone. That is, until Bridie took a trip to their local butcher. While in the butcher shop, she finally opened up to him about her frustrations. She told him everything, the knocking, the objects being thrown, but she forgot to tell him that they wanted it to remain a secret. The butcher, in his defense meaning well, asked the Shin's neighbor to go and check on them. He told someone, they told someone, and then from there, the story just spread like a wildfire. It seemed like everybody in Mina was talking about it. And as the stories got around town, they began to grow more and more exaggerated, like a bad game of telephone. One story went that the neighbors saw the Shin's mailbox revolving. Others claimed to have seen a coal bucket floating through the air. Another swore he saw a can of dog food levitate and hang in the air. The stories became so embellished that the house was a pretty hot topic of conversation, some calling the stories a fraud, others believing that the house truly was haunted. Whatever the case was, people were traveling far and wide to see what all the fuss was about. At one point, there were as many as 300 people at their house at night, hoping to see some spooky activity from the Shin farm. People began trespassing. Some people even just walking through the Shin's house uninvited, not even saying a word to them, just walking past the family. When the people who were fascinated by the ghost became more of a nuisance than the ghost itself, the Shins knew they had to take further action just to get some sort of rest. So they called the local sheriff's office to come keep the spectators at bay. And from there, national experts began to weigh in on the occurrences. The parapsychology laboratory at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, told the Associated Press that the events in Mina sounded like the events that they had studied all across the world. Their opinion, without having studied the specific case in detail, was that it seemed to resemble a poltergeist, as we said previously. So, Ed Shin, finally fed up with the ghost and all the attention it brought, loaded up his family into his truck and decided to just leave the farm and stay with relatives. While the Shin family was away, Polk County Sheriff Bruce Scoggin and three deputies, along with four reporters from the local press, decided to spend the night in the house to see if they could figure out what was going on. One of the deputies, John Egger, told the Associated Press, there's no doubt queer things have been going on around here. I can't explain it. 
Of course, no one believes in ghosts. I've just got to where nothing surprises me anymore. All through the night, the sheriff and his deputies stayed up, waiting for a chair to fly or be pelted with marbles. As morning dawned the next day, the lawmen exited the home, their only experience being a lack of sleep. This is completely out of line with what the Shin said was happening, the occurrences being an almost daily happening. This kind of makes sense for a poltergeist though. Some people believe that poltergeists don't haunt places, they haunt people. But in any case, Ed decided that enough was enough. There was no way he was going to uproot his entire life, all for a ghost that he didn't even believe in. That's right, Ed didn't even believe that the ghost existed. He told the Associated Press, We just don't believe in ghosts. When something is done, humans have to do it. Instead of a supernatural reason, Shin believed that maybe the occurrences were the result of... Russia. I know, <laughs> weird, right? But during the 60s, the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union was still in full force, and many people were terrified of the Soviets and their weapons of mass destruction. Shin believed that the occurrences plaguing his family had something to do with Russia's nuclear weapons testing. Maybe radiation fallout was the reason why objects were floating across his living room. Shin believed that Arkansas had more fallout than any other state in the Union, and that the radiation could have been from uranium brought in through their well. Sheriff Scoggin entertained the idea and brought out a Geiger counter to the property, which, if you don't know what a Geiger counter is, it's a tool that measures radioactivity. Despite scanning the whole property, including the well, the Geiger counter showed no evidence of radioactivity being present. After the night's stay had revealed no strange activity and the radioactivity theory was a flop, the sheriff decided that the strange happenings had to have a more human explanation. Unnatural Axe will be right back after this word from our sponsor. Hey man, do you have automotive problems? You gotta stop by Mike's Auto and Diesel at 918 Highway 71 South here in Mina. You know, the building with the wing mural on the side. Mike and Sarah Slay, that's right, their name is Slay. They're your go-to guys for all your automotive repair needs. Mike, a Texas transplant, started working on cars in 1970 in his dad's shop when he was only seven years old. He rebuilt his first motor when he was only 12. But just because he grew up in his dad's shop in Texas doesn't mean he doesn't know Mina. He's been coming here for years since he was a kid. Mike and Sarah Slay love Mina and the wonderful community here, and they're ready to work for you. He's an ASE certified master, senior L1 advanced level service technician. Now, I don't know what that means myself, but I think it means my man knows his stuff. They do everything from classic cars to modern cars, heavy equipment like tractors to small engines. If you can drive it, they can fix it. He also does stuff like AC and heating, electrical work, and even rebuilds carburetors, which nobody in Mina does. And he does it well, man. Man, are you tired of that six-week waiting time you got with other shops? Mike's Auto and Diesel does it in a day. So get on over there to Mike's Auto and Diesel at 918 Highway 71 South here in Mina. The shop with that big jacked up car in the front and the angel wing mural on the side of the building. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. Again, that's 479-234-9513. Check them out on Facebook at Mike's Auto and Diesel. And ask them about their Dogecoin and cryptocurrency. Man, they're crazy about that stuff. Mike's Auto and Diesel. They slay the competition. Eh? Hey, you see what I did there? Because their last name is Slay? I thought it was funny. Anyway, now back to the show. So, where did the sheriff go? To Mina High School, where Charles Schaefer, Ed's grandson, was going to class. The sheriff caught him and sat him down and interrogated him about the occurrences. And Charles confessed. <laughs> 
He admitted that he was the source of the strange occurrences, sobbing to the police that he had started the prank several years earlier because he felt that his grandfather was picking on him. He told the lawman that it all began with small pranks. He would bring a pair of pliers to bed with him and then tap on the steel bed frame to make noises to disturb his grandparents. He would rattle the window blinds when no one was looking. Another favorite prank of his to rearrange the furniture in the living room when his grandparents were away. He would throw chairs from the kitchen into the living room, causing Ed and Bridie to think that the furniture was flying on its own. He even created a scary voice to make them believe that they were talking to a ghost. His grandmother actually caught him once, he recalled. She saw him throwing pillows out of the kitchen, but he denied it. Then the stories got out of hand and the police and press got involved. By that point, he couldn't figure out a way to stop the shenanigans. The townspeople were shocked to find that they had been fooled by a teenage boy. Most described him as a nice boy, who they would not have suspected of such a scheme. The press tried to salvage what was an embarrassing story. While admitting they had been fooled, the editor of the Arkansas Democrat wrote in an editorial that many smart people believe in such things as poltergeists. He said, there's always the chance that a prankster is responsible for weird happenings, as in this case. On the other hand, reputable scientists, neurologists, psychologists, and physicists have investigated cases in Europe, and they are of the opinion that psychic energy may be responsible. After all, poltergeists are supposed to be practical jokers. They tend to be more mischievous than anything, maybe even acting like a 15-year-old teenager. Some people, though, actually believe that maybe Charles wasn't the culprit. What if there really was a ghost? I could actually understand why he would take the fall. I mean, at this point, that poor family had been through hell. Between the police always hanging around, strangers literally walking into their house uninvited, not to mention the poor kid was probably being picked on at school over this, all the while dealing with a very real, violent ghost. I could understand taking the blame to get people to leave them alone. They'd still be dealing with the poltergeist, but hey, at least they wouldn't be harassed by something much worse. People. <laughs> Could this all have been an elaborate prank from a 15-year-old? Or could this have been the doings of a violent demon? Hey, thanks for listening to Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. Be sure to follow us and other awesome shows on Facebook, Instagram, MySpace. Well, probably not in MySpace. But check us out. We're the Washita Podcast. That's podcast plural. Also, be sure to check out the other amazing shows at thewashitapodcast.com. That's again, podcast plural, with an S, at the end of it. Someone should really look into that MySpace thing. Brought to you by Mike's Auto and Diesel. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. For research for this episode, I used Arkansas State Archives, the newspaper that I actually write for, the Polk County Pulse, and a good old-fashioned Wikipedia search. Links for my sources are, as always, in the description. Script written by and all audio production by myself, Trey Youngdahl. Check out my website, treyoungdahl.com. That's T-R-E-Y-Y-O-U-N-G-D-A-H-L.com. Follow me on Facebook at Trey Youngdahl. Again, that's T-R-E-Y-Y-O-U-N-G-D-A-H-L. Keep the shameless plug going by following me on Instagram at youngish.trey. That's Y-O-U-N-G-I-S-H dot Trey. Credit for the episode idea goes to Philip Miranda. I did an article about Philip because he's a literal freaking war hero and that newspaper I mentioned earlier, the Polk County Pulse. After the article came out, he listened to the show and recommended the story to me, and I was flabbergasted that I had never heard of it. I'm such a nerd for history, especially spooky history, especially spooky history about Mina, the town I live in, and I was pretty chuffed to have uh, heard the story. So um, it ended up being the season finale. So thank you for that, Philip. So, of course, I have to address the elephant in the room. Yes, 
This is the last episode of Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. Let's talk about the Washita Podcast. The Washita Podcast is a branch of Pulse Multimedia, which consists of two radio stations, 104.1 KENA and 105.3 KQOR. It also has our newspaper, the Polk County Pulse, and, of course, the Podcast Network. When I started doing the show, my main focus was working on the Podcast Network and reporting news on the radio. So when the show started, I had plenty of time to do nice, in-depth research and write full-length scripts. Then, I got a promotion. (laughs) A lot of my focus shifted from the podcast network and radio to our newspaper, which isn't a bad thing at all, I'm not complaining. I'm incredibly grateful, but that did mean I didn't have as much time for the show. So, the show was a limited series to begin with. I just decided not to do another season when our title sponsor ran out. I'm gonna miss the show a lot. I mean, I'm going to appreciate the bit of extra time that I'll have, but I'm going to kind of feel like a part of me is missing. I love doing the show. I love Arkansas. I love Arkansas history. And like I said, I like spooky Arkansas history. I love true crime and I love ghost stories. And storytelling is such a big part of who I am as a person. And having this platform to tell in-depth stories to a very real audience was really cool. But I guess... All good things must come to an end. I mean, the old episodes will always be there to listen to. There's just not going to be new episodes published. At least, not for a while. Thank you to everyone who supported the show. I know it might not seem like a big deal to you to just listen to some guy on the internet tell you a scary story for 20 minutes, but I assure you, it means a lot to me. The show had a lot more success than it had any business having, and that's all because of you. Sincerely, I thank you. With that being said, for the last time... Always remember to stay safe and stay spooky. A maniac. A raving thing. Cruel eyes studying you. There is a fifth dimension. Beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. We all go a little mad sometimes. This is Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. (laughs) 